Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome back to episode 59 of the Leanne Ward Nutrition Podcast. Today we are chatting all things flexitarian diets with the lovely ladies from The Biting Truth. Anna and Alex are the smiling duo behind The Biting Truth, and they are both accredited practicing dietitians and nutritionists based here in Australia. On a typical day, you'll find them both delivering keynote sessions to some of their corporate clients, dressing up as Pip the Pineapple with a group of kindergarten students, or developing recipes for their brand partners on social media. No matter which hat they wear, they always have a no-nonsense science-based approach to nutrition. They have always been passionate about the environment and the benefits of eating more plants, which is why they adopt a flexitarian approach to eating. They have made it their mission to educate you on the benefits of a mostly plant-based diet, not only for your health, but also for the environment. In today's podcast, we start off by talking about what a flexitarian diet really is and how it differs to a vegan or a vegetarian diet. We then chat some of the health data and research on plant-based diets, practical tips for you to transition over to a flexitarian way of eating, how to eat well on a budget, why whole foods matter when it comes to plant-based and flexitarian eating, gut health and flexitarian diets, and lastly, Anna and Alex tell us their tips for our listeners on long-lasting health and change. I am really excited to bring you guys this podcast today as I too am passionate about a mostly plant-based approach to eating as this means you don't have to entirely cut out all animal products if you don't want to. Let's get our learning pants on and jump into today's podcast with Anna and Alex and don't forget to follow the ladies on social media. They're at at the biting truth. Welcome Anna and Alex to the podcast today or the biting truth. We're very excited to have you on talking all things flexitarian diets. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here. Now, I'm going to start with you, Anna, and I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how the Biting Truth duo came about. Absolutely. So I guess, you know, growing up, I always loved food. However, I wasn't necessarily into cooking. I was never a good cook. Um, And actually, if I'm being really honest with you, Leanne, neither of my parents could cook either. I always (laughs) used to give my mum a lot of, a a bit of a hard time about that. Um, And I was always so jealous of my friends who had these parents that could cook such delicious meals. That wasn't me. She could, she could, you know, put a simple meal on the table, of course, but it was nothing gourmet. Um, But I always just enjoyed eating. Like I just loved food. (laughs) I (laughs) I was one of four kids, so it was always a fight for food and I think anyone listening here will know what that means like if you come from a big family you can't sit back and wait you kind of got to launch in and get food when it's there um but I also grew up with stomach issues so you know throughout my sort of early years at high school I suffered from IBS type symptoms and I saw gastroenterologists dietitians naturopaths I got a whole bunch of different tests done And I never really got to the bottom of what was going on. And I think that was what really sparked that early interest in that link between food and how it can actually make you feel. Um, And I was also a huge science nerd at school, which is actually where Alex and I met. Um, So for those of you that don't know, we actually went to school together. 
But the funny part is that we weren't actually really friends back at school. Like we were sort of science friends, like we did chemistry and biology and things together, but we weren't good mates. Um, then following high school, I ended up enrolling in a Bachelor of Science and Masters in Nutrition and Dietetics at Sydney Uni, and Alex happened to do the same thing, and that's really, I guess, where we became friends. It's obviously a really intense degree, the Masters um, and mm-hmm. the Science, and you end up spending 40 or so week, uh, hours a week together. Um, and I think we really got along because we both like to have a good laugh. Uh, you can ask anyone who did biochemistry with us, you know, those labs were literally a bit of a joke for us. We were always laughing and mucking about. Um, but then in terms of when we actually started the Biting Truth, so we we started that in our, it was our fourth year of uni, but the first year of our master's. Mm-hmm. And the reason we started was because the degree was really science-based. And, and whilst obviously we loved that and appreciated that, we wanted to practice actually translating what we were learning into advice for our friends and families at the time. And we also had a bit of a dream that, you know, working together would be amazing and we'd love to have our own business. Obviously, that we didn't think that would actually end up happening, but we did talk about it a lot. And so we decided to start an Instagram account. So that's how The Biting Truth actually first started. And that really just forced us to start cooking and experimenting and, you know, sharing nutrition tips and those sorts of things. But, you know, honestly, with Alex and I, we have a really unique relationship. We are best friends. Um, I'm actually one of her bridesmaids. Her wedding's coming up in October. Um, and But we're also business partners and we sort of have a sister-type relationship. So a lot of people often ask us, like, are you guys sisters? Um, but we're not sisters, but we do argue like sisters. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's such a special relationship that you ladies have together. And now, Alex, I'll jump over to you. And for our listeners at home, it is quite confusing with the Anna and the Alex and all the A's. And you girls do look like to the naked eye, like quite similar as well. You're both like blonde and bubbly and you're just so much fun to be around. So I'm so excited to have you ladies both on the podcast. But for ease, I think today I'll sort of like ask you both separate questions. So Alex, I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and also what you ladies do on a day-to-day basis as dietitians and as part of um, the biting truth, like the different things that you might do, um, you know, throughout the day or throughout the week. Yeah, of course. And I think it can get a bit confusing as well, given our names both start with A. <laughs> we always say to people, just say A and one of us will respond. Um, <laughs> but I guess similar to Anna, I also grew up in a big family. So I have twin siblings and an older brother as well. Um, but unlike Anna, my mum was actually an amazing cook <laughs> um, growing up and she still is. Although I have had Anna's mum's cooking and I can confirm it's actually not that bad. And <laughs> if she's listening, I'm probably going to get some brownie points as well. So let's just say that. Um, <laughs> but my mum's always had this knack for, you know, creating delicious recipes and, and making them slightly healthier but without compromising on taste. So they still taste delicious. And she actually still does this a lot today. And in fact, she's a huge part of sort of behind the scenes the Biting Truth recipe development team, if you call it. Um, so thanks, Mum, if you're listening. Um, but I, <laughs> I guess how I sort of got into or went on to study nutrition and dietetics after school. So I remember actually sitting down with Mum and, you know, thinking about, okay, what am I going to do at uni when I finish school? And I always knew that I loved science, but I didn't really have this clear path of what was next. And it was my mum that actually suggested nutrition and dietetics, and it really just seemed like the perfect fit. I love science and I love food. So that's sort of how I fell into it and how Anna and I um, became really good friends um, and obviously started a business together. Um, but in terms of, I guess, what a typical day looks like for us, so, and this is funny because people often ask us this and it's, 
you know, it's quite a difficult one to answer as every day is so different. Um, so we can go from speaking in a law firm to a group of adults to literally dressing up as Pitt the Pineapple to a group of kindergarten. So it's very different. <laughs> um, and then on other days we might be attending an influencer event. Um, but most of our days are really spent working in the corporate space now. So we work with businesses helping to create nutrition programs for their employees. So this could include um, keynote sessions, cooking demonstrations. We also do private consultations with their employees. Um, we work with senior executives and we also develop a lot of online programs for corporates. And one thing that we do to try to keep things quite fun throughout the week is, well, weekly but it probably ends up being once a fortnight we like to have sort of like a cooking day and that's where we kind of get our chef hats on and I guess that's really what has led to our you know improving our cooking abilities and a lot of our our content online but most importantly it's kind of just an opportunity to have fun in the kitchen but I'm probably just annoying Anna most of the time and just laughing Couldn't agree more. I have those days as well where I sort of like, I like to try and batch my content together. So one day is a full podcasting day. The next day is like, I'm in the kitchen cooking a whole heap of recipes. Then it's like my boring admin day, answering like thousands of emails and messages and that sort of thing. Then the next day is like my Instagram content creation day. So I do love the the days I spend in the kitchen are probably one of my favorites as well. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so good when you do do a few different things in your business to really structure it out so that you've kind of got you know, set days throughout the week. It helps to be really productive. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Now, I guess considering this podcast is all about flexitarian diets, let's start with the basics, lady. So, Anna, can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, what exactly is a flexitarian diet and what that sort of term encompasses? Yeah, sure. So, a flexitarian is a combination of two words, flexible and vegetarian. So, flexitarian. (laughs) And essentially, it's sort of a less rigid form of a vegetarian diet, which means Mm -hmm. that the focus is very much on eating a plant-predominant diet. However, you can still incorporate red meat, chicken, and fish. It's all about flexibility, and I think that's what we really love about it. Um, You know, because flexitarian diets are all about being flexible, there are no strict definitions. And so what we've sort of done in terms of our own um, impersonation of flexitarian diet is we've created our own definition really and that's what has really worked for us and that's what is in our flexitarian guide. So what flexitarian means to us is eating two vegetarian meals a day at least and then having a maximum of one meat-based dish a day. So basically what that means is if we choose to have a tuna salad for lunch, which is something that we do quite frequently, we love our tuna salads, it means that dinner has to be vegetarian. And so what that's really done is forced us to really think outside the box and think, okay, well, what are we going to have for dinner that doesn't include a source of meat? Um, So that has helped to provide that structure we need to eat more plants while still being able to enjoy, you know, a burger on the weekend or a Thai chicken curry if we go out for dinner with our friends. So we don't feel like we have to miss out on anything. It's really worked for us. But if we compare a flexitarian diet to other plant-based diets, so you have a vegan diet, and a vegan diet essentially includes no animal products at all. So, of course, no red meat, chicken, or fish, but also no eggs or dairy or anything that might come from an animal like gelatin. So and then you find that in things like lollies and yogurt and ice creams. Um, and then you have a vegetarian diet. So vegetarian diets are no red meat, chicken, and fish. And most vegetarian diets will include dairy or eggs, but that also can differ. 
Definitely, yeah. There are many different types of flexitarian, like um, ovo, lacto, lacto. I remember throughout the university there's so many different terms and I just got so confused with all the labels. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my favourite things about, and I personally would identify as as being or having a flexitarian diet, and I think the best thing about that is that there's no labels. Yeah. And when people are like, what is that? I'm like, well, for me, like I personally try to eat one vegan or one complete plant-based meal a day, one vegetarian meal and one meal where I might include some animal product, I may not. And again, as you said, that that means that you don't feel guilty for actually wanting to have something like a, a Thai chicken curry or something like that because there's no, um, I guess like following plant-based diets is is really important and key for, for health and for gut health. But again, if there's going to be a lot of guilt attached to eating those foods or you constantly feel like you're missing out, for a lot of people, it's not really great long-term and it's not really going to last, is it? Exactly. And one other thing, Leanne, that I really like is, um, this is Anna speaking, mm-hmm. I recently had a blood test and I did come back that I was slightly iron deficient. And so a mm-hmm. flexitarian diet absolutely allows me to then, you know, go home and have a nice piece of red meat if I want, which is a great source of that, um, you know, heme iron, which is which is really good. So I think it, it can be great in terms from a nutritional perspective, making sure you're getting all those micronutrients. Um, of course, you can still get them if you follow vegan or vegetarian diets, but it definitely allows for more flexibility there. Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah. And um, Alex, I'd love to know why you ladies personally are so passionate about flexitarian diets. I myself, I think I would sort of identify as a flexitarian because growing up thinking I needed to be healthy, I was vegan for a year, I was vegetarian for probably two or three years. And again, just like you ladies, I had super low iron, I was always tired. I wasn't actually entirely sure I was getting all the nutrients that I required. Like I was taking B vitamins, like I was taking a lot of vitamins and I was like, as a dietitian, I don't think this is the way that I should be living. So I gradually started, um, you know, incorporating different things. I was pescatarian. And then I was like, you know what, why do I have to label my eating? Why can't I just eat mostly plant-based and have some meat every now and then without feeling guilty about it or without having to explain or justify my decisions to anyone? So I'm curious as to why you ladies are so passionate about flexitarian diets. Is it very similar to myself or is it an entirely different reason? Yeah, definitely. And, And we must say that we love all the things that you share and definitely see your flexitarian approach shining through with your tofu meal preps and all your other delicious <laughs> plant-based recipes on your Insta. Um, but And it is interesting because when we talk about our flexitarian eating approach, you know, we have lots of people that often say to us, that sounds like my diet. Um, and to be honest, Anna and I actually thought that we had a predominantly plant-based diet too a couple of years ago until one day we actually decided to track what we were eating and it wasn't until mm-hmm. we actually started to track what we were eating that we realized that most of our lunches and our dinners were actually meat-based. So a lot of them included a source of fish, red meat or chicken, and we were probably only really eating, say, legumes like once a week and rarely were we cooking with things like tofu. We were always mm-hmm. making sure that we were getting plenty of veggies, but our diet was lacking in those plant-based proteins and the tracking made this really clear. Um, and so the reason that we've really latched onto this flexitarian diet is that we've always been super passionate about the environment. And as dietitians, we're very much aware of the health benefits of eating more plants. So the flexitarian diet means that we can reap the health benefits of eating more plants, but also support the environment without having to follow a really strict diet or eating pattern. And, and for us, this is a lot more sustainable. Yeah, so on a flexitarian diet, we can pretty much eat everything. We don't have these things that we can't eat or things that are no-goes from our diet. And like you said, we don't want to feel guilty for eating something, and that's what we love about this approach. There isn't any limitations on what we can and can't eat. And, of course, we're not going to lie. We we love a piece of fish. We like chicken and in smaller amounts of red meat. 
we enjoy that um, and we wouldn't want to have to completely cut these out of our diet. Um, but we also know that they're a good source of protein. They give us some healthy fats and they also contain important micronutrients like Anna said. 100%. And I love that. Um, yeah, again, for me, it's a huge thing. And growing up, like I had quite a, I guess, restrictive background growing up and going through my studies and that sort of thing. So putting labels of things and saying rules around things for me is like a huge, like I can easily go down this rabbit hole where it just becomes restrictive eating. And I think for a lot of people, particularly younger people growing up, um, you know, a plant-based diet can be wonderfully healthy, but it can also lead to, you know, or down a path of disordered eating. So I think for me, the biggest thing is not having to put a label on what you eat and just, you know, focusing on general health and also including some things that are positive for our environment as well. Because again, I'm really passionate about trying to do the best we can for our environment as well. So I love that that approach is both health focused, but also environmentally focused, but also mental health focused as well. There's nothing worse than having these strict rules and rigidity and structure around your eating that actually makes you feel worse at the end of the day because you kind of want to eat something, but you feel bad or guilty for even having that feeling towards wanting to eat. Exactly. Yeah. And, and even though it's called a flexitarian diet, it's really just like a, a, a lifestyle approach. You know, we've put that, we, we call it that because it's easy then to recognize, but it isn't, it isn't a diet in the traditional sense. Exactly. And there's so many different ways you could do it, isn't there? Exactly. Mm. Now, I'm really curious to know if you ladies have come across any uh, research or health data around flexitarian diet, because I'm well aware how positive the health benefits are from a plant-based diet and also a vegetarian diet, and also how negative the majority of Australians eating, um, you know, very Western type diets are, but there doesn't really seem to be any middle ground in between. You know, it's it's obvious when you compare a plant-based diet to a Western diet, what's going to come out on top. But for those people who, you know, just want to sort of move the spectrum towards towards the plant-based side but not go maybe a hundred percent that way have you ladies come across any recent research or data around flexitarian diets comparing them to plant-based or to western diets yeah well since the term flexitarian is actually still relatively new most mm. of the research available studying plant-based diets does focus on vegetarian diets mm-hmm. however fortunately it is thought that the benefits of being vegetarian do mostly carry over to a flexitarian diet. So there's emerging evidence that suggests that a flexitarian diet or a semi-vegetarian is what they refer to it as in the studies, could have benefits for weight loss, heart health, blood pressure, reduced risk of chronic diseases like cancers and type 2 diabetes. And I guess particularly if we talk about weight loss because this is, you know, one of the key reasons that people will follow a vegetarian or a plant-based diet, the reason that vegetarian or flexitarian diets can help with weight loss is because they are typically lower in total kilojoules and higher in fibre and they have a lower proportion of calories or kilojoules coming from fat. Um, so we know that obviously diets that are higher in fibre are very satiating, so they keep you fuller for longer. So that's why it um, has been shown to help with weight loss. And we also know that in terms of heart health, we know that diets that are rich in fibre and those healthy fats are really good for our heart. So studies that have looked at vegetarian diets and semi-vegetarian diets have shown that they tend to have a lower risk of heart disease compared to non-vegetarians. Wonderful. Now, I'd love to talk about some practical tips in terms of if someone's listening at home and thinking, you know what, that sounds like me, or I really do want to try and and sort of merge towards more the plant-based diet, but I'm just not sure where to start. What practical tips would you ladies have around transitioning over towards a flexitarian way of eating? And what nutrients would you be most concerned about um, if people were 
to transition over. You know, we talked about iron, but probably also protein and some of those B vitamins as well. Yeah. So for anyone listening at home that wants to think that thinking about transitioning over to a flexitarian way of eating, then we definitely encourage you to do so. But there's some things that you want to think about before getting started. And I guess it really depends on what your current diet looks like. So if your current diet is quite meat heavy, so say you're currently eating meat for lunch and dinner, um, then we'd recommend maybe aiming to have, say, one or two vegetarian meals a week just to start introducing a bit more of those vegetarian proteins into your diet. Um, but you could also think about reducing the portion of meat at your meals and subbing in some additional plant protein. So, for example, if you're making something like spaghetti bolognese with, say, some lean beef mints, could you um, cut back a little bit on the mince and then add in, say, a can of lentils or kidney beans just as a way to um, add in some of that extra plant protein and cut back a little bit on the on the meat? Um, but if you're someone that, you know, you're thinking you're currently eating quite a few vegetarian meals but you do want to increase this, then you could, say, aim for a couple of entirely vegetarian days throughout the week or you could try what we do where we try and have just one meat-based meal a day and the other two meals would be vegetarian. Um, Another tip is, you know, if you're going to start eating more plant foods, then we really encourage you to become familiar with legumes. So that's things like chickpeas, lentils, kidney beans, black beans. So for many people, these kind of foods can seem quite daunting and and they're wondering, you know, what the hell, how do I use these foods? But once you learn a few simple recipes and incorporate legumes, then, you know, one, you'll find that they're actually really easy to cook with. They can taste delicious and they're actually really filling. So you'll feel nice and satisfied after eating them. And I think that's a really important point there is that often what happens when people swap over to a more plant-based diet, so whether that's vegetarian or flexitarian, they often will just bump up the amount of vegetables that they're eating, which is obviously great. But it isn't just about swapping, you know, the steak or the chicken or the fish with more vegetables. You have to swap it for plant-based proteins. Otherwise, you're not going to be getting the nutrients you need and you might start to get some deficiencies. And I see this a lot with some of my clients and even, you know, my mom, when she started to eat more plant-based, she was like, you know, oh, look at this, what I have for dinner. And I have to say, mom, there's actually no protein on that plate. So getting that balance right is still really important, which is what Alex is saying, learning, being, becoming familiar with plant-based proteins. Wonderful. And just for our listeners at home for ease, just in case they're not really aware of this, we've talked about lentils, legumes, obviously tofu being another one. Any other suggestions you ladies have in terms of plant-based protein sources? Yeah, so tofu and tempeh are both great ones. We love all of the legumes. I think black beans are one of our favorite legumes actually to cook with, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Mexican meals. Um, and then nuts and seeds are another really good option. And also when you were mentioning like different ways of transitioning, I actually thought about like Meatless Monday. That was something when, um, I don't know how long ago this was trending, that I really t- sort of encouraged my clients to get a hold of. If there's somebody who doesn't really eat any um, plant-based or vegetarian meals at all, or particularly if they've got like fussy husbands or children at home, just starting with something simple and trendy, something like Meatless Monday and trying to have one meatless meal a week um, as a family is really um, important and a great way to transition as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And we also find that, you know, if you think about it, a lot of people actually plan their meals around their piece of meat or a piece of fish. And for, for a lot of people, it's really easy to do that. So if you're trying to eat more plant-based meals, it can actually be quite hard to think of ideas and you do have to be a little bit more creative so what we encourage people is to think about their favorite meals and try and reinvent these favorite meals so obviously there's some meals that you can't just 
replace with plants, so like a steak, for example. Um, I mean, you could do a tofu steak, but that might not hit the spot. Um, but surprisingly, a number of meat-based dishes, you can actually give them a good veggie makeover. So, you know, something like tacos or nachos, you can easily, you know, substitute the meat in that for some beans or even like a chicken stir-fry and mixing it up with a tofu stir-fry. So that can be a good place to start to get some of that inspiration and get the creative juices flowing. Definitely. And I probably think it's an important point to mention for our listeners at home, um, being that this podcast is heavily focused on gut health as well. If you're somebody that does suffer from a little bit of, um, you know, extra bloating and wind and that sort of thing, when you're introducing beans and lentils, just start slow. So you probably don't want to be someone who transitions from not really eating anything to having two or three meals a day packed full of beans and lentils and legumes, because you're probably going to have a little bit of problem. So the, the, I guess the gut does take time to I guess, adapt to absorbing and digesting some of these increases in beans and lentils. So slow and steady does kind of win the race when you are transitioning over sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And that's where like, you know, adding <laughs> you know, a smaller amount of those lentils or beans to your minced meat can be a good way to ease it in so that you don't get all those unwanted side effects and that could scare you off entirely, which we don't want. <laughs> Definitely. Now, um, I guess something positive about flexitarian eating or another positive aspect must be um, in terms of budget, because I must admit that, um, you know, the thought when I first started using um, l- legumes and that sort of thing, the thought of having to soak them and rinse them and whatever, I was like, I'm not doing that. So maybe you could call it laziness, you could call it convenience, but I'm a big fan of just using things like tin chickpeas and ch- tin lentils. You know, the home brand costs 99 cents a, a can of lentils, it's an incredibly cheap substitute instead of, you know, chicken breast or or, or ribeye or something like that. So surely there are some, um, I guess, budget benefits of eating more flexitarian as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, essentially when you switch to a flexitarian diet, you are cutting back on fish, chicken and red meat and replacing these with things like tofu, lentils, chickpeas, kidney beans, dairy, nuts, seeds, and many of these options are cheaper than meat. So like you said, you can get a can of legumes for under a dollar. Um, so we've definitely found that we've, been, we've saved money switching over to a flexitarian diet. But I do want to be clear that, yeah, you're not saving money because you're eating less. You're, you're still eating the same quantity of food. Mm. You're just sort of changing around that balance of what's on your plate and that should result in, you know, saving a bit of cash, which is great. And I feel like I, I now say, you know, like when I go around to my parents' house have dinner, I, I always ask them to do a lovely roast or something like that <laughs> to get that in. Yeah, mum, you please spend like $60 on a roast and I'll bring over a, a lentil salad to compliment it. <laughs> Love it. (laughs) Now, I think it's really important to actually discuss the difference between a whole food plant-based diet and just a plant-based diet as well, because we know full well just eating a vegan meal doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. And I see a lot of, you know, with the trending whole meatless Monday thing on social media, I think it's wonderful that people have jumped on board with this, you know, plant-based alternatives for even just one meal a week. But, you know, if they're making burgers and they're replacing that with just like a a vegan patty, which is just full of, of junk, is that really a better option? So I think actually talking about whole foods is a really important point to make as well. Because, you know, you can go through the supermarket and find alternatives for vegan options in pretty much you know, anything like vegan um, chicken drumsticks, vegan chicken nuggets, vegan, um, you know, calamari, it doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy just because it's vegan. And when you think about it, like hot chips and Oreos, they're vegan as well. Are they good for us? Of course not. So I think actually defining what is a whole food plant-based diet and a whole food flexitarian-based diet compared to just, you know, flexitarian eating. So I'd love for you ladies to talk to us a little bit about that as well. 
Yeah, and that's really important. You really, you know, you've said that well. Eating a plant-based diet doesn't automatically mean it's healthier. It all depends on what foods you're choosing to eat. And, you know, we've done a few Instagram posts around this, and it's so funny. People love labeling their diet, but the label doesn't really matter when it comes down to what you're actually putting in your body. So someone could be following a vegan diet, like you said, but the only foods they're eating could be processed vegan snacks and fake vegan meats, and they're going to be deficient in lots of nutrients. But someone else could be following a vegan diet, and they could be eating a wide range of whole foods, and it could be really healthy. And likewise, someone could be following an omnivore diet and only eating burgers and chips, or they could be eating lean meat, seafood, and be really healthy. So you know, if you do want to start following a flexitarian diet, the focus really needs to be on whole foods, like you've said. So the majority of food should be coming from or should be things like fruits, veggies, whole grains, so thinking oats, quinoa, brown rice, nuts and seeds, legumes, herbs, spices, dairy fruits, eggs, and then smaller amounts of that those chicken, fish, and red meat. Definitely. Yeah. Whole foods matter, don't they? Because, you know, just making a brownie and calling it a vegan or a plant-based brownie doesn't make it any healthier really than a normal brownie. So I think that's something that I guess the labeling on social media has a lot to answer for because you see it all the time where it's like, this is a, a, a vegan cake. And it's like, it's still a cake at the end of the day, like just because it's vegan or refined, sugar-free or gluten-free or whatnot, the labeling doesn't matter. It's really the ingredients that, um, that have the biggest impact at the end of the day. However, Leanne, we actually have managed to nail a black bean brownie that has a whole can of black beans in it and you cannot tell. So it's still Love a it. treat, don't get us wrong, but there are some nutrients in there. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So I think probably the biggest take-home message at home is that really when you're looking to replace your protein sources, go for natural whole food sources such as lentils and legumes and tofu and tempeh rather than these overly processed um, you know, plant-based options that you'll find heavily packed in the supermarkets in different packets and that sort of thing. So the general messaging around health still matters, doesn't it? Less ingredients, the better on the label. If there's no label on the product, even better. (laughs) Definitely. Now, Anna, have you come across any research in terms of flexitarian diets and gut health? Because again, I'm well aware of the the enormous amount of research between gut health and plant-focused diets, but anything really, um, I guess, from like a a semi- Vegetarian is what you termed it, um, perspective and gut health? Yeah, absolutely. So flexitarian diet or semi-vegetarian diets are likely to be beneficial for your gut health. And as you sort of just pointed out, the main reason for this is that it means that you're going to be eating a whole lot more plant-based foods. And we know that foods that come from plants are typically rich in a type of fiber that we call prebiotics. So prebiotics essentially act as the food source for the probiotics, which are the healthy bacteria that live inside our guts. So that's sort of where a lot of the gut benefits come from eating a more plant-based diet. Um, And eating lots of fiber is also likely to keep you more regular as long as, of course, you drink more water with that. But I've also, you know, been teaching the flexitarian approach to many of my clients for several years. And, you know, I've seen clients lose up to 20 kilograms, but I've also seen improvements in energy levels, self-esteem, even things like arthritis, blood pressure, cholesterol, um, and absolutely gut health. So, but I think the most important thing is that clients will tell me that they immediately start feeling better once they sort of adopt this flexitarian or, you know, plant predominant uh, approach. So it's not a quick fix or a fad diet. It is a lifestyle change that can definitely have gut health benefits along with weight loss and overall health and well-being. 
Definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that it's a lifestyle change. And again, you don't ever want to start something unless you can see yourself continuing with it for a very long time. So thinking in terms of long-term health benefits rather than like, this is going to be a six-week challenge or this is something I'm just going to try until I lose 10 kilos, then I'll go back to my old eating habits as well. Really adopting that long-term lifestyle change is so important when we talk about our health, isn't it? Yeah, so important. Now, moving away, I guess, from flexitarian diets entirely and just thinking about general healthy lifestyles and healthy living, Alex, what other things can positively influence our health? So if there's somebody listening at home thinking, you know, I'm already doing this, I'm, I'm doing great, I'm, I think I would define my own diet as very flexitarian, but they still want to, I guess, incorporate some other things they think might uh, might benefit their health. What other tips do you ladies have at home um, moving away from, I guess, diet or nutrition entirely? Yeah, so diet is really only one aspect of having a healthy lifestyle and I guess one that Anna and I have really come to appreciate and that we keep hearing and learning more and more about is the importance of sleep. So we know ourselves that we really need a good night's sleep, I think particularly me, I go to bed really early. Um, (laughs) But if if we sleep well, we feel energised, we've got a better mood and we're much more capable the next day. Like, Like honestly, if one of us comes in and we're in a bad mood, it'll be like, did you sleep well last night? And it's often, it's often like, no, I had a terrible sleep or, you know, I was up and whatever it was. So it is just like you just can't stress enough how important sleep is. 100%. Yeah. And then, of course, exercise is another component. So fortunately for us, this comes pretty easy as we're both quite sporty and active people. Um, we love so many activities that involve exercise and it's really key to find something that you love. So for me, I absolutely love running. It's just my jam. But I know for Anna, it's 100% not running. She hates it. She's more the surfer chick that you'll find out at Freshie. Um, and she also loves Pilates. Um, but, yeah, and then I think we also need to talk about stress and, you know, running your own business, as I'm sure you know, Leanne, you know, you're, you're a driven gal and, you know, we're, we're probably hustling a lot of the time. So it is important that, you know, we find ways to, to manage this stress to ensure that we, we're living that healthy lifestyle. And, and that's probably the one that we still really need to work on, that stress management part. And we've tried, you know, we do the apps and we do a bit of meditation and we like to have a break, you know, go and have fun and things a lot of the time. But it's definitely something that we're still very much practising. And if we can think of, you know, a positive that's come out of the whole sort of self-isolation with, with the coronavirus is that it's, for us, it's forced us to actually kind of take a step back and, and slow down a little bit and put into place the practices that have really helped us to kind of manage our stress and feel a lot better. So I think that's a bonus of the recent sort of situation we've been in. Mm, definitely. And I love how you found um, positives out of the situation as well. There are so many people who are all they're focusing on the, the negatives, negatives and negatives. And I'm a big believer in the things that you focus on, you're going to get. So really important to focus on what positive things have actually come out of this self-isolation or, you know, what positive things can I find in my health or in my body or in my, um, you know, mental health, that sort of thing, rather than constantly focusing on the negatives and things that we, you know, hate about ourselves or want to change about ourselves as well. So big fan of focusing on the positives. And lastly, I'd love for you ladies to leave our audience with your favorite tip. So I love to ask my special guests who come on the podcast, if they could leave our audience with one lasting tip, only one for sort of true health or one starting place. If people find some of these podcasts quite overwhelming or they're like, oh my goodness, that just seems so hard or I'm so far from being able to achieve that. What is that first step that you recommend for people or what would be that one tip that they could focus on one thing only? What would you your recommendations be separately? And I'll start with you, Alex. Oh, pressure's on. Um, 
I guess if I had to give just one tip, it would be that you don't have to cut out your favorite foods to be healthy, even if those favorite foods don't fall under the technical banner of being healthy. So you just need to learn how to enjoy those foods in moderation as part of a balanced diet. So for me, that's chocolate. I couldn't live without my daily chocolate fix. I've just had to really learn to moderate. So I'm trying not to eat the whole block. But I know if I was to tell myself I could never have chocolate again, then you know, that can send me down the spiral of feeling guilty and, you know, an unhealthy relationship with food. So you don't need to cut out your favorite foods. Definitely. And Alex, what would, oh, sorry, Anna, what would your tip for our listeners at home be? Well, look, I'm a really big foodie, so I love eating out at restaurants. And I think my biggest tip for people is to make food taste good. Otherwise, healthy eating will suck. (laughs) And I am honestly someone that I will spend the time making a delicious lunch every single day. Even when we're in the office, I bring all of the ingredients in. We're fortunate that we can keep some ingredients here as well. But I will add, you know, crunch factor, add some almonds or some wasabi peas. I will add, you know, capers if we love them or feta, of course, with lots of veggies as well. I will go to the effort of making a delicious salad dressing so we really actually enjoy the salad. Like we literally count down to lunch every day because what we have is always so young so I think go to like take that little bit of more effort to add flavor and texture and that doesn't have to mean mean that it's a complicated meal you can keep it really simple but put effort in so you actually can sit down and really enjoy it because I promise you it will make healthy eating way more enjoyable and way more sustainable if you actually like the foods that you're eating 100% and variety as well. Like I have so many people who are like, oh my God, just don't put a a tuna salad in my meal plan because I've been eating that for five years. And I'm like, you've eaten tuna salad for lunch every day for five years. What's wrong with you? Like no wonder you hate salads. So variety is so important as well. Like you can have the salad every day, but there's a a million different ways you can make that salad taste good, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, if you're bored with your food, then, you know, hot chips or, you know, the pub down the road is going to look like a much better option. If you're excited to eat your lunch, then you won't feel like it's a chore. And there's so many amazing recipes online that you can grab these days. So if you're you know, looking to make a vegetarian version of your favorite meal, you can literally type that into Google, find a recipe and, and create it. So there's so many resources at our fingertips. Mm. And I love, always think Mexican is such a great place to start. Like if you're going to try and make a plant-based meal, start with a Mexican meal. Like it's the easiest thing to do. It's like black beans and corn, boom, like you've got a great tasting meal already. 100%. <laughs> yeah, a bit of human in there. So good. Yeah. And also visit the Biting Truth Instagram. Instagram page because you guys have such beautiful, delicious, vibrant recipes on your page as well. So I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about where we can find you on social media. How can we email you, get in touch with you? And what does your flexitarian program look like? Because I know that you've is it recently launched um, your flexitarian program as well? Yes. Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Biting mm-hmm. Truth or you can visit our website, thebitingtruth.com and we share loads of recipes and articles and we have a monthly newsletter. Um, but as you just said, if you're sitting here thinking that you do want to look more into the flexitarian diet and you need more ideas when it comes to eating more vegetarian meals, then we've recently launched our flexitarian guide. Um, and when you download the guide, you'll get access to our flexitarian cookbook. So this is, this has about 50 of our top flexitarian recipes as well as the beginner's guide to eating like a flexitarian. Um, and we actually have a special um, discount for all your listeners, Leanne. So 
If you want to check out the guide, you can use the code Leanne15 at the checkout to get 15% off. Oh, that sounds amazing. And give our listeners, make us drool a little bit, ladies. What are some of the recipes like in the ebook? Tell us some of your favorite ones. You mentioned you've got nearly 50. Give us your top five favorite ones in the Flexitarian recipe book. Okay, well, we're going to have to start with treats because they're a standout. We have this tahini cookie recipe, which is dead set amazing. We, I almost make it on a weekly basis. I love it so much. The black bean brownie is also up there, so they're probably our two favourite treat recipes. Yeah, and the chickpea blonde is pretty good. So we're definitely all about the treats. But then we've also got a pretty amazing vegetarian lasagna in there, which is the ultimate kind of meal prep recipe. So you can just whip it up and then you've got portions that you can either freeze or have later on in the week. We're all about cooking once and and eating multiple times. And then the lentil bolognese has to be one of my favourites. It is, and I've served it to friends and family and everyone says that it actually legitimately tastes as good as you know, your traditional bolognese <laughs> and also the lentil shepherd's pie that's also real real pretty good. and then we've got our tofu poke bowl which we've kind of nailed over the years it's something we've been working on and building it and getting all Anna's crunch factors right and also the, the peanut butter tofu bowl sorry there's literally <laughs> so many we could they go sound on for so days we really have collated our favourite recipes that we make like I open up the cookbook every week and decide what to cook from that so yeah. they're ones that they've been tried and tested and we, we really love Oh, they sound amazing, ladies. So listeners at home, if you're looking for some inspiration in the kitchen, if you're wanting to um, continue on or even start with some meal prepping, Flexitarian is definitely a great place to start for your gut health, for your overall health, and even just for like lifestyle choices and environmental options as well. So check those ladies out and their Flexitarian guide, and we will make sure we link it in the show notes as well. Well, that is all we have time for today, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute treat. Thanks so much for having us, Leanne. We love your podcast. Podcast and we're thrilled to be on here. Thank you.